everyone. Welcome back. We are still reading the Parker Inheritance, starting with Chapter 7. For the next 30 minutes, Candace Miller stared at the letter. The letter stared back. The paper was stiff, stale, brittle, like peanut butter cookies that had been left out for too long. The letter, with its small, black, single-spaced words and yellow pages, spoke of a mystery. She knew she couldn't tell her mother about it. Not yet. Not if it had anything to do with her grandmother getting fired. But then again, how could she not talk to her mom about it? Candace thought about all the puzzle books and logic games her grandmother used to buy for her, including the one she had just found in the attic. Had grandma been preparing her all this time? The letter also spoke of an opportunity, an inheritance, a fortune. Enough for them to keep their house. Enough to stop them from moving. She looked up when she heard footsteps approaching. Brandon cautiously crept into the kitchen, his huge backpack on his shoulders. Hey, Candace, I, um, I don't know what happened to you. I wanted to let you know that I was about to leave. He held up the mythology book. I'll bring this back in a few days. Oh, yeah, sure. She looked back at the letter, then glanced back at Brandon. Okay, this is going to sound a little strange, but have you ever heard of Anach, Leanne, or Siobhan Washington? Or maybe the Allen family? Brandon tilted his head at her pronunciation. Siobhan? Can you spell that? She looked down at the letter. S-I-O-B-H-A-N. Oh, he said after a second. I think it's pronounced Siobhan. Candace scowled at herself. Brandon was right. A character in one of her mom's books had the same name. The only reason I know is because a girl named Siobhan used to babysit us, he continued. But no, I haven't heard of her. We, or who were the other people's names again? She repeated the names. The Washington lived here a long time ago, she said, tracing the edge of the paper, and the Allens used to be really rich. Brandon sat down beside her at the table, his backpack still on his shoulders. Did you see the empty lot across from the library, the one filled with masonry bricks? She shook her head. I don't remember it. Well, that was supposed to be the new library, Brandon said. They were going to name it after Russell Allen. I think he was the big-time businessman around here. Then, according to one of the librarians, some rich guy paid the county not to open the Allen Library. He gave them a bunch of money to rehab and expand the existing building instead. Candace glanced at the letter again. Whoever had written it had wanted to destroy the Allens. Could he have been behind the donations to the library? Do you know the name of the guy who gave the money for the renovation, she asked? No, but maybe we could ask one of the librarians, or maybe my granddad knows. Candace didn't reply for a few minutes. She was thinking through the letter, trying to make the connections among the library. The Allens, the Washingtons, and her grandmother. It was all too murky. You seem a little busy, Brandon said, glancing at the letter. Do you want me to take or come back? Here, she said, thrusting the paper at him. Can you read this? He frowned, but took the letter. Candace tried not to cringe as he read to himself, his lips moving silently as he made his way down the page. She was a little surprised that she actually handed the letter to Brandon. He was nice, but she'd only known him for a few days. He was just a boy from across the street. But there was something about the way he sat there with the welts beating up on his face, wearing a backpack way too big for his frame, a backpack full of books that, for some reason, he couldn't check out on his own because they were too girly. She didn't know if she could trust him, but she wanted to. 
Plus, she really wanted to talk with someone about the letter. Interesting, he said after finishing the letter. And what does that say? He pointed to the envelope and her grandmother's note. Just scribbles, Candace quickly said, sliding away from her. She wasn't ready to share everything yet. Any idea who wrote the letter? No, I assume that whoever he is, he likes being mysterious. I bet he's the same guy who made the donation to the library. Well, there's a lot of stuff in the letter that's kind of super fascist, he said. That means, I know what it means, dictionary boy. She juddered her thumb toward herself. Daughter of a professional writer, remember? He laughed. Yeah, of course. Anyway, he wrote about a lot of things that don't even have to do with the Washington's Brandon scans, the letter again. Do you know what they were focused, or did you know that they were forced to leave the city? Candace shook her head. My guess is that it must have been in the 50s or 60s. You know, he mentioned you were in here as well. Brandon said, huh? Last paragraph, he said, were or were, I'm sorry, where he's talking about making a better world for your grandchild. He didn't say grandchildren. He was specifically directly to your grandmother about you. Brandon shrugged. Granddad told me you were Miss Caldwell's only grandchild. I didn't even see that. I totally read it as grandchildren, she said. He handed the letter back to Candace. I think we should talk to my granddad about it. She was already shaking her head. I don't know. We've got cookies mom baked from yesterday. Candace's stomach chose that moment to grumble. Cookies sounded so much better than sandwiches. She took a deep breath. So you actually believe this is real? My mom thinks it's a hoax. Well, it could be. But what if it's not? I mean, if there really is a fortune out there waiting to be found, don't you think someone would have found it by now? Candace didn't like how much she sounded like her mother. You think it's real, he asked. Candace thought for a moment, then nodded. Yeah, I do. It was so much easier to think it was real when two people believed it. She looked at the note on the envelope, rubbing her grandmother's bracelet. Make that three people. Chapter eight. Candace had bitten into her second oatmeal chocolate chip cookie when Brandon's sister entered the kitchen. She was too busy typing on her phone to notice them. Tori wore in all black, or Tori wore all black except for a pair of purple boots and a small silver pendant around her neck. Her hair was natural like Candace's mother's, but longer, with twisting, or with twists reaching down to her shoulders. She looked amazing. I'm heading to work, she said, her thumbs flying across. One of the girls is sick, so I have to go in early. Tori works at a clothing store at one of the strip malls, Brandon said to Candace. He was munching on a snickerdoodle. I can't remember the name. They're all the same. Tori looked up. Oh, hello there. Candace waved meekly. Hi, she mumbled. A piece of cookie fell out of her mouth. She could have died. We have company, Brandon said. Thanks for the heads up on that, Tori said, pocketing her phone. You could have told me. She stopped, marching across the kitchen, took Brandon's chin and tilted his face up. The scratches weren't bleeding, but they were still red. What happened? He shook free of her grip. I feel or fell in a bush. You're such a horrible liar, Tori. Turn to Candace. Was it that little brat Milo? You don't have to answer that, Brandon said. What does this look like? A courtroom, Tori asked. Candace set down her cookie. I don't know their names. Candace said, or Milo's the 
ringleader, about as big as my pinky, but really mean. Just like his older sister, Tori walked to the cabinet and pulled out a bottle of hydrogen peroxide. You should have put something on those welts as soon as you got home. She doused a napkin, then began patting Brandon's face. Mom and granddad are going to have fit. Not if you don't tell them. I don't have to tell them. They'll know once they see your face. Tori brushed a piece of grass out of his hair. Let me talk to his sister. She's home from college this summer. I can probably convince her to get Milo to lay off. Me getting my big sister to stop a bully? That's really going to go over well with the guys at school. Tori kissed her brother on the cheek. Will you look after him? She asked Candace. My brother's the brainiest kid I've ever met. But that clearly doesn't translate to street smarts, sure, Candace said. Then she clamped her mouth shut. What was she agreeing to? She had enough problems. She didn't need to add getting beat up to her list. Thanks, Tori reached out her hand. By the way, she shook Tori's hand from across the street. Tori sized her up. Let me know if you ever want to go shopping. I get a great discount. Though those shredded jeans are really cool. Kind of a retro. Candace wanted to reach down and cover her knees. She wasn't used to getting compliments about her clothes. Comfortable. Brandon tapped the table. Weren't you leaving? Tori rolled her eyes. Spoil sport, she mouthed. She tugged on her brother's ear before swiping a cookie from his pile. Hey, wait a second, he said as she reached the door. Do you know when Granddad will be home? He's on his way now, Tori said. I was just texting him. Since when did Granddad learn how to text? Since Kathy made him get a smartphone, she slung a bag over her shoulder. Our Granddad's got a new girlfriend, she told Candace. Brandon shuddered. That sounds strange. Old people aren't supposed to have girlfriends. Okay, Tori said as she went out the door. Next time, I'll call her his lover. Even with the closed door between them, Candace could hear Tori's laugh, loud and clear. Brandon's grandfather was nowhere near as cool as his granddaughter. He entered the house wearing a grungy white t-shirt and gray slacks with red and blue suspenders, though his pants didn't seem to be at any risk of sliding off. He caught sight of Candace and Brandon at the table, and a large grin spread across his face. Then he, his eyes narrowed. Boy, what in the world happened to your face? Brandon tensed up. His mouth flapped open, but no words came out. I tripped Brandon by accident, Candace said. He fell into our holy or holly bush. She guessed this was part of her duties in looking after Brandon. His grandfather grunted. That's Brandon for you, always stumbling over his own two feet. He went to the sink and washed his hands. And are you, Granddad, this is my friend Candace, Brandon said, across the street. Yeah, Abigail Caldwell's granddaughter. Should have known that. You look just like her. He toweled off as he walked to the table. Rudolph Gibbs, he said, tipping his head toward Candace. Nice to meet you. Mr. Gibbs reached over Candace and grabbed a cookie. He and his grandson favored each other in a lot of ways. Both carried slight builds with heads shaped more like ovals than circles. Mr. Gibbs' hair was short like Brandon's, but way more white than black. A few large moles covered his dark skin. His He smelled like cigarettes and gasoline. Well, welcome to the neighborhood, he said, sitting down at the table. There are plenty of kids around here to play with. Maybe you can get Brandon out there with you. I go outside all the time, Brandon said. Shooting hoops by yourself in the backyard doesn't count, Mr. Gibbs said. In any day, or in my day, me and my buddies would be all over the neighborhood. Wouldn't come home till dark. You kids nowadays. He nudged Candace. Ain't that right? I'm sure, Candace said. Mr. Gibbs, Brandon said you knew my grandmother pretty well. Yep, she was good people. He broke the cookie in two. It's a shame what happened to her. 
Candace didn't know if he was talking about her being fired or her heart attack that killed her. If you don't mind me asking, did she ever tell you why she was let go from the city? She and Brandon had decided earlier on to plan a, a, pro, or a plan to approach his grandfather without revealing anything about the letter. All I know is that it had to do with her tearing up Vickers Park, he said. She claimed it was a mistake, but then good old boys in the city office was probably waiting for any chance to fire her. A lot of them didn't like a black woman telling them what to do. Candace reached for the hole at her knee and pulled at one of the strands. Do people think she was, I don't know, incompetent? Crazy? He took a long time chewing the rest of his cookie before responding. I won't lie. Most of us were right perplexed. People couldn't understand how the city manager could screw up so much that she'd tear up a perfectly good tennis court. But when they followed the paper trail, the work order led right back to her. He reached for another cookie. It was good that she left town. A lot of folks in Vista Heights weren't too pleased. Vicker Park has been around for a long time. During the time of Jim Crow, it was the only public place where blacks could peacefully meet. There's no way we would have been allowed to step foot in those other parts. Those were for whites only. Candace thought about some of the books she'd read about the civil rights era. She wondered if black kids had ever tried to use the white only parks. And if so, what had happened to them? Did police use water cannons and dogs to attack them like they had in other places in the South? Okay, thanks for letting us know, she said. She looked at Brandon and he gave a quick nod. And the plan B. Hey, Granddad, do you have a few more minutes? Brandon asked. I wanted to talk to you about some of the old families that used to live here. Really? What for? Just a research project, he said, not looking at his grandfather. A trace your roots sort of thing. Tori was right. Brandon was a horrible liar. A research project for school in the summer? His grandfather leaned back in the chair. You should give Cousin Lucretta a ring. She's already completed our family tree all the way back to the 1800s. Shoot, most of our family ain't even from here. Well, it's not really focused on family history. More like researching some of the other families from Lambert. I figured since Candace didn't have anything else going on this summer, maybe she could help me with the investigating. Okay, now I get it. He grinned. How about this? I've been at Chuck's all morning helping him replace the transmission in his old Plymouth Barracuda. Let me spruce up a bit and I'll be back down. He winked at Brandon. That'll give you a chance to have a little more, you know, privacy. And then I'll answer any questions you got for me. The two of them nodded. Once Mr. Gibbs left the kitchen, Brandon picked up a cookie and stuffed it into his mouth. And then another after that. Candace stopped him before he could eat a third. Okay, what just happened? Wait, he whispered. A minute later, the house shook a little. The pipes inside the walls groaned. Okay, Granddad's in the shower, he said. Sorry about that. Granddad always acts funny when I bring girls friends over. Then said, not girlfriends. I mean, girl, big space, friends. Girls that happen to be friends. I mean, friends that happen to be girls. Candace recalled how he had winked at Brandon. My dad's the opposite, she said. There's no way he would let me and a boy sit in the same room without adult supervision. They became quiet, and Candace wondered if they had both spoken too much. She was pretty sure Brandon didn't like her that way. She surely didn't like him that way. But before she could say anything to fill the awkward void, Brandon opened his backpack, pulled out a book, and flipped to the first page. Rudolph Gibbs 
re-entered the kitchen wearing a clean white shirt and another pair of slacks and suspenders. As he walked to the refrigerator, Brandon placed his book face down and pushed it closer to Candace. She put her hand on top of it and pulled the book the rest of the way to her. Mr. Gibbs poured iced tea into a mason jar. All right, what do you know? Or what do you want to know? He asked. Did you know the Allens? Brandon asked. Mr. Gibbs whistled. Ah, the Allens. Russell Allen passed away a few years ago after we moved here. He was an important man. He settled at the table. Of course, I didn't really know him. The Allens were a whole different type of white people. A little too blue blood for us regular folk. From what I understand, Russell's daughter ran the family business after her dad died. She was the only halfway decent one. Most black folks steered clear of the Russell Allen's sons. They still live in town, Candace asked. Maybe a few cousins, but the ones with all the money, Russell Allen and his kids, have died or have moved away. He paused to drink his tea. Not that they were really that rich in the end. Because they lost some contracts, Candace asked. As a matter of fact, that's right. Mr. Gibbs placed his glass on the table. Who told you that? I um, found some documents in Grandma's attic that mentioned it. That's um, how I got roped into Brandon's project. What about a man named Anant Washington? Have you ever heard of him or his wife, Leanne? Candace wasn't even sure or even going to try how to say Siobhan's name. Rolf, Rudolph Gibbs' forehead furrowed, so his eyebrows bunched together. He wiped some condensation from the glass. I didn't know him. We moved here long after he'd been, we know, Candace said. He was forced to leave town. Things were different back then, Mr. Gibbs said. I know y'all have seen the TV specials and read all the books, but there's a big difference between reading about life in the 50s and 60s and living it. We were supposed to mind our place with our heads bowed and mouths closed. When we didn't, bad things happened. He finished his tea, then rattled the ice in the jar. Since you're asking so many questions, I assume you know Marion Allen, Russell's oldest, the one missing an eye, ran him out of the city. Missing an eye? Candace hadn't expected to hear that. We knew it was the Allens, but we didn't have the name, she said. Do you know what happened? Brandon asked. Late 50s, I think, Mr. Gibson, or Mr. Gibbs said. Not really sure. Folks didn't like to talk about that stuff. Like when I got here, even without a bunch of money, the Allens were still pretty powerful. Plus, no one had proof. Or if they did, no one brought it forward. Big Dub. That's what they used to call him. With a name like Ananch, I'd go by Big Dub too. Mr. Gibbs let out a soft, sad chuckle. If you really want to know more about him, you should check out the memorial at Lambert High. He turned to Candace. Dub was a teacher and coach at Perkins High. When they finally shut down Perkins, and Wallace to create a new high school, someone kicked in a bunch of money to upgrade the building and create a special mem or memorial for Perkins. Candace and Brandon looked at each other. She could tell he was wondering the same thing she was. Was this tied to the mysterious benefactor for the library? Why did they create such a special memorial, she asked. Perkins was one of the first schools for Black children in the region. Maybe even the state, he said. Those colored schools are a big part of our history. Brandon? Brandon said with a sigh. You should say African-Americans. Mr. Gibbs gave his grandson a long, hard look. Son, if the worst thing you've ever been called is colored, then you should consider yourself very, very lucky. We'll pick up on chapter nine 
tomorrow.